0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the morning, boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, here's your host, host Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
1: Good Thursday morning, and welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys with Ryan Hickey right here on this Thursday. We do appreciate you tuning in and giving us a few minutes. Hopefully, everyone's having a great week, staying safe, staying sane as we power through yet another week of quarantine with the coronavirus. Hopefully, everyone is staying well, staying sane, and keeping busy. At least the weather is finally starting to turn and get nice, and uh, at least allow us a few more activities outside than normal. But we do have a great show. Hopefully, for the next two hours, we do entertain you and bring you some um, some escape. From otherwise uh groundhog day esque kind of feel that is every day now that the life we are living. So we do have like I said a, a great show for you here. I do want to get a lot into um in case you missed it last night, Blake Snell, a pitcher for the Tampa Bay race, had a um a very passionate rant, let's say, on a Twitch stream last night, highlighting just how hard it is uh it's gonna be for Major League Baseball to resume and why this fight over over money between the players and the owners could really be a big detriment as to why we won't see baseball in 2020. We'll discuss that in just about 15 or so minutes um, and get to his comments because it is it is strong and it really gives you a great insight onto what the players are thinking in this day and age. So I'll give you that. We have um, now finally the Los Angeles Rams um, revealed their uniforms yesterday. Um, they are tough. So if you haven't seen them, just go to quick Google Los Angeles Rams new uniforms. You'll see what I'm talking about. Not great. Um, So with that said, though, the Rams are the seventh and final team to unveil their new uniform rankings uh, or their new uniforms for 2020. Excuse me. So we have power rankings one through seven of all the seven teams that had either a total redesign or just, you know, some small switches, some small changes. Um, So we'll give you all seven, just about 940 or so. um, We'll give you the rankings there. We have our most intriguing NFL teams. Let's heading to 2020 numbers 20 to 17. So we gave you basically the bottom tier, the bottom third of the most boring, least intriguing teams these last few shows. So now we move into that middle tier. There's some intrigue. There's some interest. Um, and there's some storylines definitely to watch. We'll get into those again. Numbers 20 um, through 17. Of course, it is a Thursday, which means, well, really every show, Monday or Thursday, which means we have another edition of 2020 or Apocalypse. So if you want to get in on that game show. Facebook, Twitter, shoot me a text. However you want to get involved to reach out, show your interest. We will have a uh, contestant again as we've had one week so far. Nick is in first place. Nick McCool with three out of five questions. And then Beth coming in second with two out of five. So those two are are so far the two to beat, three out of five. And two out of five, we'll see if someone can supplant them and get first place. And finally, on the show, I, I saw this rumor this morning kind of just perusing Twitter, seeing if I missed anything. And Chris Sims is at least throwing the rumor out there that a few years ago the Cleveland Browns back in, in 20, uh, 2017 had the num- or 2018, I should say, had the number one pick in the draft. The Seattle Seahawks made an interesting trade offer that did not go through, that was denied by the Browns. So that kind of spawned an idea of what are some of the biggest trades that almost happened? Nearly went through. That didn't. That really could have changed the game. So, give you what that trade was with the Seahawks and the Browns. Why the Browns declined it, and then also give you a few other big trades um, throughout the day, or excuse me, at the end of the show that almost went through. Almost really could have changed the landscape of sports. And if you have some as well, feel free to chime in. Facebook, Twitter, um, we're on the app as well. Or if you want to shoot me a text, any way to to communicate, reach out to the show. Love to have you on and love to have you be a part of the show and get your thoughts. But we'll start the show with restarting the league. I mean, it's going to be, a, you know, at least a theme here early on to start this Thursday show. We'll discuss MLB. Like I said, in just about 15 minutes or so, but I want to talk about the NBA because on Friday, Adam Silver had a, a phone call with players to kind of gauge their interest, get their thoughts on, on what a possible resumption of the league could look like. And so what's the interest? Are players willing to play? What's the concern about risk? Um, and obviously if they do want to play, if they do want to resume, what could that look like? What could be the best way to resume to where everyone is happy? And then on yesterday, um, or excuse me, on Tuesday, Adam Silver had a call at the Board of Governors um, to talk about basically resuming the league. They had a, a, um, a poll, a random uh, a poll of players um, to discuss their interests. So really, there's been a lot of discussion now, and Adam Silver made um, the announcement on Tuesday that in two to four weeks, the NBA season will either go forward in motion and be, you know, have the wheels put in motion to, uh, to resume the season, or it'll be over. So in two to four weeks, so... Middle of June to early June, we will have the uh, the verdict on whether the NBA will continue and finish out their 2020 season or whether that they will just kick the can down the road and punt into 2020-2021. And obviously, at least right now, Adam Silver made it seem like if the league was to resume at some point in the summer, it would be a one-to-two city plan that would host either half or, or most of the teams. So the question I want to pose to you, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is that if you were in the position of the players, right, if you were an NBA player right now, would you want the season to resume? Right? You, you obviously see everything that's out there. You see the risk associated. You see how it would happen where you would travel to one or two cities. You know, Orlando and, and uh, Las Vegas are the two cities that have been thrown out there. Either put everyone in one city or kind of split up Eastern Conference, Western Conference. But either way, you would have to probably travel unless you play for the magic. Essentially, have to travel um, from your home location to play the rest of the league. So I'm curious, if you were an NBA player right now, would you want the league to resume? So if it's me, assuming the, obviously... You have to assume safety, right? I think that's that's the um, almost has to go. Uh, that's a prerequisite. It almost has to go unsaid, right? Because everyone wants to uh, practice safety and don't want to be put in harm's way. Let's say, but if it's if safe, if the league has a, a planned outline that could keep the players as safe as possible, I'd want the league to resume if I was a player. And how I would want it to happen? Go right to the playoffs. Forget the rest of the regular season. There's about 15 to 17 games left, depending on what your schedule is like. Forget the rest of the regular season. Go right to the playoffs. And so if I was a player, obviously assuming safety, I don't want the league to resume. And I have a few reasons why. So one coming off the call with the players and coming off the call with the Board of Governors, Adam Silver and a lot of other reporters kind of outlined um, the parameters of how resumption would happen. Number one, it seems like, Safety is the priority, which obviously is is the most important and the biggest key in all this. But at least right now, you, you see the Adam Silver, the commissioner, the owners discussing safety has to be the priority if a league is to resume. And even some of coming off of the call on Tuesday, with some of the board of governors, essentially the owners, they express safety, you know, has to be the main priority in resuming place. Even though the owners aren't playing, you know, even though the owners physically aren't going to be on the court, they realize safety has to be the key. We can't have players coming back getting sick or being in a position to where they are at high risk of getting sick. And part of that safety is having adequate, adequate testing, and with adequate testing, not only having enough tests, but also making sure they're not taking tests away from those who actually need them. So we have to get into a spot in this country to where testing is rampant. You can have enough tests to where you're not taking some away from hospitals or taking some away from other uh, healthcare care facilities that do need the tests and basically taking the tests away from people like me and you, right? There has to be enough testing out there, so at least the NBA puts that out there. We are going to resume. Safety is going to be the main priority. And with that being said, we need to have hundreds of thousands of tests to make sure to get give to these players, to make sure we're testing them daily, biweekly, um, to make sure that at any time we are making sure they are all healthy. And with that, making sure that we are not taking tests away and that there are enough tests for everyone in the United States to usher. That's at least one of the reasons why if I was a player, I would feel safe and confident in resuming the season. Safety is the priority, which obviously... Granted, you know, in this day and age has to be, you know, should be the main focus and main priority. But, you know, with money on the line, as we all see, you know, money does change everything. But at least it's nice to see so far that safety with the NBA and resuming is priority. Another reason why I would be interested um, in playing as player is that you hear the plan. Obviously, you know, we're talking two cities, right? MLB wants to play games in home stadiums and and try to have that feel. NBA can't have that same luxury. They're going to have to play in one or two cities. But with that said, it's not going to be a bubble city. It's not going to be a hermetically sealed environment. It's not going to be basically isolation to where they are here and basically locked out of the rest of the world. The two options I can talked about are going to be Disney World and or Las Vegas. We'll see if they want to split it up. We'll see if they want to put everyone in one location. It also depends on how they resume the league. If they go right to the playoffs, maybe they'll put everyone in one location. If they want to resume the rest of the regular season, they'll probably do two locations. But with that said, so even though you're gonna have one or maybe two locations theoretically sat in like a bubble city, Adam Silver kind of laid out how that plan would go and he described it more as a campus environment. Right? Players can roam around. So if you're let's say in Disney, you're allowed to walk around. You know, baseball had their plan when they were going to try to play in Phoenix and basically be quarantined and sealed off from the rest of the country. Their plan was basically the players are gonna go from the hotel to the ballpark and back. That's it. Can't go anywhere else. Can't interact with anyone else. Basically, you're going to go sit your, in your hotel room um, all day, every day, isolated until it's time to play the game. Then you're going to go play the game. Then you're going to go back to the hotel, sit in isolation, and do the same thing over and over and over again. So at least thankfully with the way the country has developed somewhat testing and the country is kind of at least starting to ease up their um, restrictions about um, staying at home and not having places open – Adam Silver's also kind of relenting the reins a little bit and letting players roam around. So you can go walk around Walt Disney. You can go walk around Las Vegas. You can leave even the area. They even said you can leave Las Vegas. You can leave Disney World. I mean, you're not going far. You can drive away. But if you were to leave, you have to be tested before you return. So let's say if you're in Las Vegas, you drive, I don't know, 15 minutes out of the town to just get away. Before you return, you have to get tested. And those test results have to come back. So at least they're creating theoretically a bubble city in which People can, you know, the players can walk around those, um, you know, the trainers, the coaches, the hotel workers, the, everyone involved with the game resuming can walk around, has the freedom to go in and out as they please. But just know if they go out before they come back in, they have to be tested and basically given the AOK okay medically to return. So at least there, OK, you have options. You, you still can basically live somewhat of a normal life without being, you know, taken away and, and basically thrown in a bubble for a month, two months, two and a half months. So that's enticing as well if I was a player that, sure, you can live somewhat of a normal life. You don't have to be quarantined or just restricted from your hotel room to the court. You can actually, you know, if you want to go get dinner, you're allowed to go get dinner. If you want to take, you know, look at the sites, you can look at the sites. You just have to do it safely. And, again, that's smart that they test the players before they come back in and make sure that no one, if they leave, is bringing the virus back in. And obviously, if that's the case, it would really um, do some damage and getting a lot of players sick. So no having no bubble sitting. And having testing so far is the priority of the two reasons why, so far, if I was a player, I'm in on the league resuming. And the reason why, also, I think it's smart if the league does resume to go right to the playoffs, because in doing that, you cut the league down from 30 teams to 16 teams. So just like that, the number of players, the number of personnel, trainers, coaches that could spread the virus, get sick from the virus, are almost cut in half, right? I mean, think about it. You're almost cutting the league in half going right to the playoffs. And in this scenario, in this case, when there's so much unknown, when there's so much risk right now trying to resume the year, the less bodies, the, the better. The less people that can get infected and spread the virus and thus pose a bigger threat to shutting down the league again, less of that risk, the better. So there's no reason to have the Knicks, the Warriors, the Cavaliers, the Hawks playing out the string of 15, 20 games when they're not making the playoffs. And all they're really doing is just posing and increasing that risk of someone getting sick and thus spreading it and shutting down the league again. So the risk of playing the rest of the regular season isn't worth the reward. And not to mention, too, I understand there's some playoff races. There's some seating issues, right? There's there's some close races, um, not only for teams jockeying for a playoff position, but also, you know, at least out West, you have five teams— that are battling for the 8th seed, right? You have the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Blazers, or all, I believe it's, I think it's three games, three and a half games from each other for that eighth and final playoff spot. So sure, it stinks, right? I believe it's the uh, the Grizzlies who have that eighth spot right now. So sure, it stinks if you're the Spurs or the Pelicans or the Blazers, right? Especially if you're the, the Pelicans, you get Zion back, you're you really turning the corner and then to have your season end, you know, or at least not get a chance to fight to make the playoffs, it stinks. I understand that. But at the same time, you look at the history of seven and eight seeds in the playoffs, they don't have much success. So sure, it would be nice to see the battle between you know, John Moran and the Grizzlies and Zion Williamson and the, and, and the Pelicans. Oh, man, that would be such a, you know, so great to watch them battle out to, uh, to make the playoffs. It would be entertaining. But then at the same time, that winner will take on the Lakers in the first round. I just think it makes more sense to have the less people around the better. And thus in doing that, go right to the playoffs. Forget the regular season. Get 14 teams. Get those players, those coaches, those personnel out of the way. Don't even get them. Have them be a risk. And for some of the teams, you heard like Steve Kerr with the Warriors basically saying that, you know, they're already on to next year. A lot of these players and coaches, I'm sure, have checked out the ones that are not in the playoffs, the ones that are in the tank. So there's no reason to bring them back, to run them through the string, to risk injury, and again, more importantly, risk players and coaches getting sick. The less, the better. less bodies, the better. That's why I go right to the playoffs. I think that's the smartest thing to do. And the fourth and final reason why, if I was a player, I would be all in on a league resuming this year, this summer. It's because honestly, having premier stars, having the big-time names, like pushing to re- resume the league, honestly gets me on board. All right? You have guys like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, Steph, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul. All of them are on board for resuming the season. All these guys are big-time names. And honestly, all these players really have more to lose than gain. Think about it. Obviously, LeBron James is trying to get his fourth title. Obviously, all these players won a championship. And outside of Steph Curry, all the players I just listed are in playoff, are in the playoff hunt, if not in the playoff field. So sure, a championship will be great, right? But think about it. If the league is canceled, if they can't resume play this year, financially, all those guys I just listed are fine their paychecks are still going to clear. And more importantly, they don't really need the paychecks to clear. They're good. They have other revenue streams. They'll be fine. They won't be affected if if the league shuts down like other rank-and-file players or minimum-wage players would be if they can't keep getting their game checks um, because the rest of the season is canceled. So honestly, it's encouraging to see players that have more to risk than to gain, theoretically, with health, with money, more risking than actually just winning a championship. But seeing them pushing to resume, wanting to the league to resume and play basketball again, honestly, it gets me on board. It gets me on board, and you even have the Players Union echoing basically the same sentiment, if they want to finish the season. So it seems right now a lot of the players are in on finishing the season. I'm in as well. Like I said, if I was a, a, a player in the NBA, I'd want the league to resume. Safety, obviously, is a priority. So far, they seem to prioritize safety. They have a nice outline so far of how they're going to keep the players safe, uh, which is why if I was a player, I'm all in on the NBA resuming, I think, in doing so, she go right to the playoffs, get, rest, uh, get rid of the rest of the regular season, and maybe have a, a scrimmage or two, but basically start the year with the playoffs, eight one through eight as the normal um, playoff schedule goes. And from there, let's crown champion. No asterisk, let's do it. Um, so that's what I would do. So I'm curious, like, wh- what are your thoughts? If you're an NBA player, right? I know it's kind of hard to put ourselves in that situation, but if you were a player, if you had the risk um, or had the option, I should say, of going back to work, going to a city to, to resume, obviously, with the risk of coronavirus still out there without having a vaccine, would you be safe? Would you want to do it? Or would you just want to kind of wait till next year, see how the uh, the landscape is of the land, and wait again until um, until we have more facts, which will probably be closer to when the 2020-2021 season will resume. So again, I'd love to get your thoughts on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, if you were an NBA player, would you want the season to resume? Would you feel safe having the season resume if you were a player? So get your thoughts. And when we come back, speaking of leagues resuming, Blake Snell, again, the Tampa Bay Rays pitcher, had some really strong thoughts on Twitch last night about why he is against the league resuming um, and baseball coming back in 2020. We'll explain to you what he said and why baseball coming back, it's going to be pretty damn hard. So get your thoughts um, and get to that when the morning boys Ronnie, running your turn right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the Morning Boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
1: Welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys with you right here on this Thursday morning. We do appreciate you tuning in, listening. Hopefully, everyone's staying safe, staying sane. And uh, enjoying, like I said, what is just another week as much as we possibly can um, with everything that's going on. So, again, hopefully everyone's staying safe and do appreciate you giving some thoughts. I'd love to get your thoughts. You know, again, we're in the middle of quarantine here. So I'm curious, you know, if you were an NBA player, because the NBA is discussing returning, we'll have a decision in two to four weeks, Adam Silver said uh, on Tuesday, whether the league will resume or not. Would you feel safe? Would you want, if you were a player, the league resume? Would you feel safe going and playing basketball? Um, Scotty Bonner writes it on Twitter. They should, but no shot they'll be allowed to. No chance to ch- uh, to kill their golden goose. See, it's interesting because Scotty has a point, and, and Beth also chimes in with sort of the same sentiment. Players will get it for sure, but if they start up, it's also safety plan. Once a player gets it, so right. There's a, there's a lot of risk if you do resume, right? Because there's still so much unknown right now, despite the fact that we've come so so much further. Um, in the two months since the league initially shut down um, back on March 11th, compared to where we are now on May 14th, there's still so much unknown. There's still really the only way to currently prevent the spread of coronavirus is by isolation, is by quarantine. So if Beth points out, if a player does get it, and even Adam Silver basically said, the league, the, the league is already planning out on players getting it. He said, if we weren't going to resume, if one player getting sick was going to shut the league down. So I think he anticipates well that, It's almost inevitable that a player or two is going to get sick. It's how can we identify the sick player as quickly as possible to prevent the spread from going from him to two to three to five to ten teammates to the other team because that's when things aren't going to get tricky. That's when things are going to get hairy. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're going to have three, four, five teams with players sick, and that's going to take the league down. So I think the adequate testing, again, that's going to really be the big if. Can we get to a place in this country where we can have testing to where you can test players every single day? It's really what it's going to come down to. Can you test players every single day and how quickly can you identify symptoms of a player and make sure that they are not spreading it um, to others on his team and others in the league? So I think at least at this point, that's going to be the big question. Adam Silver at least seems confident so far that players are going to get sick, but we are thinking of a plan right now that will prevent the spread and make sure if players do get sick, we're taking obviously care of them first, but also the league's going to be in a place where they're not going to get taken down by one positive coronavirus test like they did two months ago. Rudy Gobert tests positive. He's the first player that tests positive. Boom, whole league shuts down. And really, from there, the entire sports world shuts down. We're slowly seeing sports leagues thinking about resuming, trying to resume. And I think right now that's the prevailing thought. Until a vaccine is out there, right, until we have some magic, as Adam Silver said, a magic cocktail that can at least prevent us from dying from the coronavirus or cure it if we do get it, there's risk in everything we do. So baseball, NBA, NFL in a few months. I mean, the NFL, especially with the way contact is, them in basketball, it's going to be easy to transmit if a player is sick. The question is how can you prevent and isolate those players and identify those players who do get sick, um, keep them away for two weeks, and then for the league's sake, hopefully just resume and keep on going like nothing happened. So we'll see what, what kind of plan they put. There's a thought and a rumor out there that maybe if, if players do get sick, they'll have a two-day break identify, try to test everyone and identify everyone, you know, have some contact tracing and see who this player has come in contact with and if they are sick as well. So there might be a day or two, a 48-hour delay, but the season, at least right now, is going to go on. If this, if this does resume and a player does get sick, it's going to take multiple players on one team to where a team can't play or multiple teams that have players infected at the same time that's going to take down the league. So to your point, Beth, you're right. It's it's not really a question of if it's more when if players do get sick, and that's going to be the big question uh, of of how Adam Silver and the NBA is going to go about it. Once a player do, does get sick, how do they handle it, and how do they make sure that doesn't spread? Because I think at least with we talked about this on Monday's show with the UFC resuming, you would one of their fighters get sick, and sure, the UFC has the luxury of an individual sport; you just cancel that one fight, everyone else goes on. But the issue with the UFC has, and they are, it's so much easier for them to continue with one player getting sick compared to the rest of the leagues, is that in a team sport, the fighter is just with his corner, right? His his trainers, his cornermen, that's it. So the fighters themselves are isolated from each other until it's obviously time to fight. But at least with, with the positive test coming out of the UFC, not only are the fighters sick, you're two of his cornermen sick. So it shows quickly, or it shows how quickly the virus can spread from people that are in close contact. And so if it spreads that quickly where three guys right away um, on one team, let's say, you know, the fighter's team, get it. What's going to happen in the team sport where if one player in the NBA gets sick at, you know, 3 o'clock in the game's at 7, but they test him in the morning, he tests negative, and then he's going to go through, be with his teammates, play in the game, and all of a sudden, after the game or the next morning, he tests positive. How that, you know, how much that virus spreads between then and now is going to be the big question. How can they prevent that from happening? Uh, Because as we saw, the UFC has the luxury of canceling one fight still going on. The NBA just can't take one player out, or they can't excuse, me, they can't take one team out and just keep going on, right? Four players in the Jazz get sick. You can't just remove the Jazz from the playoffs for two weeks and then just keep on going and then insert them like nothing happened. That's why team sports it's very, very, very tricky. Um, and the NBA, if they do go about resuming, it's going to be a big test case and it's going to be very uh, a big case study, I should say, of how to resume, what to do, what not to do. And it's why leagues like the NFL benefit. Um, from starting later, and it's just going to be interesting to see how you know we can go about this, and um, we really won't know until we try. So it's a shame that the NBA is possibly could be a guinea pig, but unfortunately, that's kind of until there's a vaccine. That's what it's going to be if these sports leagues want to resume and want to resume safely. So speaking of sports leagues resuming, this takes us to the Major League Baseball. Is there another major team sport that's trying to resume? That's trying to get really not even resume, get their season started. And uh, we talked about on Monday the latest proposal. Um, from Major League Baseball that the owners approved that are now going to the players of how the season will resume, which would be 82 games, you play teams in your geographic region. So if you're in the NL East, you play teams, the rest of the teams, you're in division, and then you play teams in the AL East. So you're only playing teams geographically that you're close to, to limit travel, to limit cross-country travel and exposure, and, and try to keep everything concentrated in one area. So um, that is going to be the plan of now, and the league, if it gets the approval and gets the AOK, okay will start early July, July 4th, July 1st, somewhere in that range. And again, carry through the normal season, go through October with the playoffs and have basically everything normal starting on July 1st or whenever the league starts. But we talked about this on Monday. The biggest holdup or the biggest question mark is going to be money. Now, it's obviously it's a tough discussion when you talk about millionaires fighting billionaires for money. Essentially, if you're unaware of what the negotiations are, this is what it is. So the players signed an agreement with the owners back in March when, when the coronavirus first struck, when the NBA first suspended their season, and basically saying that, one, they signed a deal saying, we're going to prorate your contracts, and the players agree with that. Meaning, if you're supposed to get $10 million to play 162 games, well, you're, you're going to get, however, you know, we're going to divide that up, so $10 million divided by 162, and just multiply that by the amount of games you actually played. So in theory, if you're supposed to get $10 million, to play a full 162 we're playing 82 games granted you know a little bit more than half let's just say half for math's sake you're gonna make five million this year Player signed off on it fine look at the amount of money for the games that we played no problem now this is where the real issue comes in the owners kind of had this thought in the back of their head that when the season does resume or at some point towards the end of the year fans will be allowed in stands which means more revenue coming in well right now it's going to be a long shot if not a miracle to have fans in the stands at all in the 2020 season which means less revenue coming in for the owners, right? No game tickets, parking, concessions, merchandise, all that is out the window. So the only revenue Major League Baseball and the owners are going to be getting in 2020 is from television. Now, it should increase because you're, theoretically your audience is growing, so you can sell more ad space, you can sell more commercials and do what you can, but for the most part, the only revenue coming in is going to be through television. So what the owners want now is that they want the players to take Again, another pay cut, and what that is is basically having a revenue split. Now, hockey does it, um, football definitely does it, and the NBA does it, to where the owners and the players basically have a percentage of the revenue comes in, this is the percentage you get. NBA 50-50. So let's say they make $1 billion, $500 million goes to the owners, $500 million goes to the players, and obviously that's divided up with salary and bonuses and all that other stuff. Baseball is not like that. Baseball, their union does not do revenue sharing at all. They get their salaries. It, the formula is completely different than the rest of, of the major league sports. But now the owners are proposing this year and this year only revenue split, 50-50. So let's say we, you know, everything all to consider, we normally make $10 billion. This year, we're only going to make $4 billion. So what the, the what the owners want is, all right, we'll take that 4000000000 billion, we'll split it up, $2 to will go to the owners, which we'll split up by 30, uh, 30 owners. And the other $2 billion will go to the players. And they will split that up you know, based on, I guess, salary, who's supposed to make what, but essentially have $2 billion to give to the players a salary compared to what their normal salary would be. And the players are irate. You had Tony Clark, who's then a Major League Baseball Players Association rep. He's their spokesman. Basically, that's a non-starter. We're not doing that. MLB can pitch it. We are not doing it. And Blake Snell yesterday highlighted really the divide and where the players stand because he was on Twitch yesterday. And in Quick, shameless plug. If you are on Twitch, Worldwide Sports Network. um, It's where you can watch us if you have the app, uh, WWSRN on iOS or Worldwide Sports Network on Android. You can watch us through Twitch. But yesterday, Blake Snell was on Twitch discussing his thoughts, and he is all in on moving the season to 2021. We're not playing in 2020. And he was basically highlighting the reasons why he does not want to take even less pay to risk his life. And that's basically what he was saying, was that his argument from his point of view was that we're getting? We're already getting less money. We're basically having our, our salaries reduced in half, right? Playing 82 games instead of 162, basically half a season, and you you agreed already agreed to prorate your salary, which basically means we'll take the amount of games, we'll take the salary commensurate with how many games you play. Half the season, half the pay. So you're saying, well, I'm already getting a pay cut. I'm already basically having my salary chopped in half just to step on the field this year. On top of that, now the owners want to take an extra, you know, have the revenue share, which he equated, he threw out the number 33% of the salary. So you're going of half your salary and then chop off another 33% of that half to risk your life, to go out on the field, possibly get sick, put your life in danger. And not to mention, too, I mean, we're just talking about coronavirus risk alone. I mean, injury risk alone. These players aren't, for the most part, most of them don't have access to fields. You can't. So the training has not been what it usually is. And even though they're going to have a three-week spring training, it's still, you know, it's still risky to basically, you're ramping up again, then you start, have a long life, ramping up again. Injury is definitely possible. There's regular, you know, muscle twitch, shoulder injuries, um, normal baseball injuries are definitely possible. So you're saying, why am I going to take even more of a pay cut to risk not only my health and possibly catching the virus, but also, you know, putting myself in injury risk to where, yeah, I could be, you know, I could be damaged for two, three, four years on the road and maybe never ever live up to what I'm supposed to get financially if we just sat out this year and came back next year um, full, full throttle. And this is, this is why it's, it's going to be tough and it's going to be interesting because right now, in the past, the players have definitely felt burned by the owners, right? They, especially when it, when it comes to free, the free agent market. A lot of players feel the owners are suppressing the free agent market, suppressing wages, and really trying to do everything they possibly can to save money. And I think this sentiment runs deep with with a player like Blake Snell, who just highlights the mistrust that he has between himself and the owners. So he is staunchly against resuming the league, and I honestly, I have a tough time blaming him. I really can't. I can't sit here and yell at a guy making, sure, he's making millions of dollars, don't get me wrong. He's making a lot more money than me and you probably will ever make in one year, right? But at the same time, he... The fact that the players are going to try to be painted as the bad guys here is just total misstep and, and really not seeing the forest through the trees here. This is a joint, joint um, blame game, if we're going to say. either The baseball resumes, and the players and the owners both have to sacrifice something. The players have to take some sort of pay cut. The owners also have to give more money than they initially wanted to to the players because they are the ones on the field risking their lives, restarting you know after having two months off essentially and playing the game, if that doesn't happen, guess what? We're not having baseball. And hearing Blake Snell talk, I get more and more worried and doubts are seriously creeping in that we're going to have a baseball season in 2020. Because he's not alone. He, he's not a one-man you know, wolf here. He's not a lone wolf, I should say, in this theory. There are a lot of players thinking like this. Not trusting the owners, not taking even more of a pay cut to put themselves at risk, put their careers at risk for what? So the billionaires can still keep their money. And that, that's what we're talking about here. The, the owners want players to take more of a pay cut so they can save money. You know, they're not dummies. The, the owners became billionaires for a reason. And so now it's tough to yell at a millionaire player. Because I've seen this already. You have politicians even calling out players already. There's already some sentiment that's going to be basically trying to divide the owners and the players. And more often than not, we've seen in the past, fans and the general public usually side with ownership. Oh, the f- the players making this money, you know, making so much money already. They're so lucky playing a children's game. Just get on the field and play. I can't blame Blake Snell. I really can't. I can't blame the players. I can't blame the players, excuse me. I have a tough time looking at the players, seeing the risk that they're, you know, I have a tough time at least telling someone, go out and play. You're fine. You know, you're making a million dollars. So what? You'll be fine. We've seen the coronavirus does not discriminate, it will get anyone sick. So you take a massive, massive, massive pay cut just so the billionaires can keep their revenue coming in as close to normal as possible, I have a tough time with. And like I said, I get each day I have more and more doubts that the season's going to start because each day I think you'll hear more and more players digging deeper on their side and saying, listen, it's going to be on the owners. And right now the owners are going to say it's on the players. And you know, They had a talk when, when the owners approved the plan, You know, approved the plan we talked about to get to the Players Association. One of their first talks on Tuesday, it was going to be about money. Or we thought, I should say, was going to be about money. Because so this, is, this is the biggest divide, and this is, I think, the, uh, the area that players are, are most in disagreement with the owners. And you heard, heard Tony Clark say, revenue sharing is not an option. Absolutely not an option. And now um, they did not even talk about money in the first meeting. I think the owners realized the fight they're in, and that's what gets me nervous. I think the players are, are deep on their side. I think the owners are deep on their side. And it's going to be a real shame, and it's going to be very damaging to the game of baseball if some sort of agreement, some sort of sacrifice, can't be worked out between the two. because right now, we see the NBA thinking about resuming. It's going to be dangerous. it's going to be tough. If the NBA can't resume, Adam Silver in two weeks says, "It's not worth the risk. We can't do it safely, we're just going to pass, and we're going to wait till next year. So no, base, uh, no, no basketball, excuse me. Hockey going to be you know hockey's going to try to resume, but still, their national audience is now what baseball is. Baseball has a chance right now, and in a, in a time when there's nothing going on. The country's looking for a distraction. Baseball could provide that. Baseball could provide that sense of normality where we can watch the game every single day and feel like, okay, you know, we're, we're sort of getting back to real life. If we can't go to the games, fine. We'll watch games. They'll be in their home ballpark, so it will feel normal. It will feel real. There's a chance of normality to return here. And if baseball can't return because of a money fight, between the owners and the players. Both are going to be equally blamed to blame for it. And, you know, we talk about the strike in 1994 being damaging and really kind of having baseball lose those fringe fans. I think 2020 is going to be way more damaging and do way more uh, irrevocable damage if they do not play. And the optics are that they could not agree on money. Millionaires were fighting with billionaires over billions of dollars. And they couldn't come to an agreement. I think MLB will lose a lot of fringe fans, and they right now have a chance to get those fans back. They have a chance to reel in a bigger audience. They have right now an audience that they really are not keen to or don't have an ability to get most times. Because right now, think about it, The NBA playoffs should be right in the heat of their battle. Same thing with the NHL playoffs. We're coming off March Madness. Baseball right now, when there's nothing else going on, when the country is thirsting, dying for some sport to watch, something to latch onto. They had the opportunity to kind of jump in and be the, the saving grace, let's say, um, to bring back some sort of normality. And they can get a lot more fans by playing the game and grow the sport 5, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. They play the season, and they are the league that returned, did it safely, and gave the country some sort of normality. If they can't, I'm very afraid. So I'm, still, I'm a diehard baseball fan. I will watch till the day I die. But a lot of fringe fans, a lot of eh, casual, sure, I'll turn the baseball game on if it's on. If there's nothing else to watch, I think those play- uh, those fans will be drawn in more. Could make some lifelong fans. But at the same time, you can easily chase them away if you can't haggle over a billion dollars um, one way or another. So I'll get your thoughts. I mean, I think it's very telling. Really, Blake sounds the first pitcher on the record, to, or should I say first player on the record, to go out with these comments and basically say, listen. I'm not risking. I'm already risking my life. I'm risking potentially getting the virus, and we we still don't really know. You know, can the virus go away? Um, what it will do long term? There's so many unknown questions that I'm risking my life, putting my body, which I get paid for. By the way, you need your body in order to perform and play baseball. So you're put, putting really your money maker on the line during a pandemic to play the game. But he's not doing it for. He, he would do it, it. Sounds like for fifty percent for a prorated salary. He's not doing it for any more of a pay cut just so the billionaires can keep their money millionaires fighting billionaires baseball better figure it out one way or another. And if not, both are to blame. Players are to blame. Owners are to blame. So let's look at your thoughts. Are you worried about hearing a player basically say, I'm not playing. I'm already preparing for 2021. And Blake Stout said that mentally he's already getting ready for the 2021 season. He's anticipating no baseball being played in 2020. And I'm sure he's not the only one thinking that. I'm sure he's not thinking that without talking to other, former, uh, to other current players, either teammates or other players on the league. So do you get nervous at all that baseball could not return? And if it does not return, are you, are you done with baseball? Are you, are you gone? Are you not going to return to the sport? Because I think I'm worried that that's going to happen to a lot more people than you think, and baseball is only going to continue to dwindle in the national eye and continue to take a backseat to football to basketball, and maybe even hockey, if they return, could surpass baseball. So let's get your thoughts on the future of baseball if it does not return um, and, and your thoughts if after hearing what Blake Stiles to say if you have any serious doubts or not of baseball returning. So we'll get that. when we come back, the Los Angeles Rams yesterday phew, had a, a tough uniform reveal. But with that, all seven teams have revealed their new uniforms for 2020. We'll give you a power rankings one through seven when the Morning Boys' Ryan Aik, return right here on the World Wide Sports Radio Network
0: it is it, the worldwide sports radio network, radio network. Radio network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the morning boys on <laughs> worldwide sports radio network and here's your host, here's your host Ryan, Hickey. Ryan Hickey Ryan
1: Hickey welcome back into the worldwide sports radio network it is the morning boys with Ryan Hickey right here on a Thursday morning we do appreciate you tuning in um, it's still time. We still have about forty-five minutes, or oh, like twenty-five, half hour. can't even do math. Half hour or so before the third edition of Twenty Twenty or Apocalypse. So if you want to get involved, you want to be our third contestant. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Facebook World Exports Network, Twitter WWSR and underscore Radio. Shoot me a text if you want. We'll get the uh, the third edition of Twenty Twenty or Apocalypse going on at ten twenty Eastern. But we spent a lot of the show. The first two segments, first forty-five minutes or so, of the show. Talking about sports resuming, right? We talked about the NBA. If you were an NBA player, would you want sports to resume? Would you feel safe as an NBA player for the league resuming and you going out and playing basketball again? And we also just talked about Major League Baseball. In that same vein, you had Blake Snell, pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, come out and say, I'm not playing. The risk is too much compared to the reward. You're already cutting my pay by half. Now you want to cut it even more. I'm putting my life on the line. I'm putting my body on the line. And my, really my livelihood on the line by playing for you. The millionaire, oh, excuse me, the billionaire owners aren't going to really get a break financially if they want to play. They're going to have to pony up and give us some money and make the reward worth the risk. So I have my doubts. I, I'm more right now. I'm more confident in the NBA resuming um, because the players seem to be all in on on trying to play the game where Major League Baseball. The ideas out there that it makes sense. Um, the, the plan that you have, but you hear the players talk. You hear Blake Snell talk. A player in the union. Talk about how he, the risk is not worth the reward. So you do you want us to give us a thoughts either on, on Facebook, Worldwide Sports or Network, on Twitter. Um, or you want to call in. We do have a call talking about sports zooming. It is the great, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Czar himself. Errol Marks. What's up, Errol? I don't know about Czar. No? I think Czar fits fits well. Presidente, I founder. Than
2: I, am. I think you're more of a czar than
1: I am. Uh, I don't I don't know about that. I could never be a czar. I don't think I'm too nice, too nice of a guy.
2: Uh, well, I, I guess you're right. I guess I'm the mean guy. You're the nice guy. No,
1: not mean, <laughs> but you get business done. We'll say that, you know. Well, I'm you're a fearless I'm leader.
2: Uh, well, it's it's great to have you on the shows and, and and the network, and your show has been very, very, really, really, really good and and really intriguing. I listen to your show every single time you're on Mondays and Thursdays. I. I I listen to your takes on every single thing that you say, and I kind of use it towards my shows, too, because I, I speak about your show, and, and your 2020 is great. I, I mean, it's a good insight of a trivia and, and arguments where you can argue, and I think you what you should really, really do is after your 2020 trivia, you should put the questions up on, uh, um, on our website or um, on our social media, your social media, so people can argue those points.
1: Ooh, that's actually a good. I like that. Yeah, because you know it takes the game outside. I like that. Actually, yeah, I'll start doing that. Actually, because um, it's been a fun game. It's and unfortunately we have we do have a lot of content. Because twenty twenty has been, as you know, a a hell of a year. And with that, people have uh, ha- have really acted in the craziest way. So it definitely has provided uh, some fun content. But that's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely, we'll start putting it on uh, social media to uh, to engage the uh, the game continuing.
0: By the way,
2: uh, and I know you mentioned it to all the fans. Our our uh, app is out on Android. And iOS. On iOS, all you got to do on iOS is go to WWSRN. And on the Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network, you search it. It's under sports. Uh, we're working on adding more stuff to it. And uh, we're very excited about what we're going to be doing in the near future. I know it's it's gloomy right now with the whole pandemic situation. But once everything starts to open up and sports start to continue, whenever that happens, um, I think it's going to be a really, really big app, for not only for the fans, but for the
1: sports fans. And it's great, too, because we're all over so, so many different social media platforms, so everything's right there. Articles, shows, YouTube clips, guests, everything's right there in one condensed spot on the app. Again, WWSRN for iOS or Worldwide Sports Network on Android. So, you just hit on when's sports term. We don't know. You want to talk about sports resuming either positive. I don't even know what, what, what your thought is, positive or negative. What are, your, what are your thoughts? Will sports resume at some point and when?
2: Well, I I will tell you this, Ryan. We've been, I drive all day long working on stuff that's going on for our articles and our interns. And I, a lot of our interns are writing stories right now about sports and and what, they ask me, what should I write about? There's nothing to write about. There's always something to write about when it comes to sports. But do I think sports is going to continue? Absolutely. I I do believe the NBA is coming back. Uh, Adam Silver last week spoke to a lot of the executives, uh, the GMs, and obviously the owners, and he wants to resume the season. The question is, where are they going to have the rest of the season? Are they going to do it in Arizona? Are they going to do it in Orlando and Arizona and have the games there? There won't be any home games anymore because, as we all know, the L.A. LA and the governor has already closed events up in L.A., so there will not be any events, uh, comedy shows, uh, concerts, Sports, uh, you know, sports games or anything like that um, going to be held in L.A. for the rest of the year in 2020. So I, I do believe there will be an NBA season. I also believe there will be an NHL season. Gary Bettman has been pushing it. And I like what Gary Bettman has said, you know, not only to the, you know, to the public but and to the press, but really to the players. I, I've been very surprised with some of these commissioners and some of the commissioners' answers to why, they're trying to protect the players. Now, I understand what Snell said. And I, a matter of fact, when you said, when I didn't even know that Snell talked on Twitch last night. So I actually went back and uh, actually watched the pre-recording of what he was saying. And I think Snell has absolutely uh, gripe to argue about. But again, when you look at the MLB season, and it, they want to have 82 games, not 162. They want 82 games. You have to cut some kind of salary to these players because there's no intake of money that these owners are going to get. Obviously, they're not going to be playing home games at home. And if they do play home games at home, there are not going to be any crowds out there. So they're not going to be bringing any money from the food stands, from ticket sales. All they're going to be selling is really their TV deals and maybe hat deals and endorsement deals that they're going to have for the team and the organization. So I understand what Blake Snell is saying. And I, I do believe there will be an MLB season because one way or another, I do believe the owners and the players are going to come to an agreement. But I, I, I think it's just this whole COVID-19. And by the way, uh, I want to um, give a shout-out to all the fans out there, the families, all the people that are listening to our shows. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to us. I know there's so much going on, the pandemic. Uh, family members are dying throughout the country. There's over, uh, I think it was over now worldwide, over 100,000 deaths. So uh, I want to give a shout out to all the fans, worldwide that are dealing with this pandemic or have dealt with this pandemic. Hopefully, every, this will end very, very soon, and uh, everybody, you know, gets better. I, it's it's just sad. It, it really is. I I've, I've never thought I never thought in my wildest dreams that sports was going to be closed for this amount of time in, in, in my lifetime i never would have thought and the fact that the world is just shut down it just not only as a sports fan but just as a person as a as a uh, oh well i'm not a kid anymore i'm a grown-up 38 years old I, i've realized that there's a lot to live for and it, and without sports without entertainment it slows it slows everything down it, Your day, you know, there's no ending to your day because you have nothing to watch when you go home. You're watching old movies. You're watching TV shows that you you couldn't stand when you were a kid. Because
1: you got nothing else to watch. It's like Groundhog Day, so, right? It's the same day over and over and over. The yeah. weekdays blending the weekends, like you said, right? There's just no nothing to look forward to. Like I'm not a big NFL draft guy. Like I I, I watch it, I take it in, but I don't really look forward to. It's not a big day circle my calendar. I'll be honest, Errol. Last month I couldn't be more jacked up for that first round because it was something that we could watch. We didn't know the outcome of, which is just I'm desperate for. You can watch these all all these old games, which is which is nice to go back down memory lane. You know, reminisce a little bit, get some nostalgia going, but. You know, after a while, when you know who wins the games, and you can only watch so many old games without really getting ready to see to watch action that you don't know the outcome of, right? That, that's what sports is all about. You watch a game, you don't know what's going to happen, and we do not have that. Like you said, you can never imagine in this day and age anything taking that away. But like you said, obviously the the pandemic ha- has absolutely taken all of that away from us, it. not just sports, to entertainment, really, so many other, so much everything that we know, entertainment wise, concerts has just been wiped out. But you. I'm shocked So you actually have more faith than I do that the baseball season is going to resume. You think that when push comes to shove, they'll get a deal done?
2: Yes, I really do. I, I, I understand what Blake Snell was saying. And I, I listened to the 25, 20-minute 20 rant that he had uh, about the the MLB and how these billionaire owners can't open up their pockets. And we're putting our lives on the line. We're putting... Our bodies on the line, and you're not going to open up your pockets. And and I understand that he's upset. I really do understand that he's upset because these owners are billionaires. But you have to understand something for these owners. These owners are still going to pay a certain salary to you, even if it's half your salary. Just think how much money they're losing uh, this year for this pandemic. They're losing billions, millions and billions of dollars because of the whole COVID-19, just like all the other businesses. So... Yes, I do believe there will be a season. I don't know when they're going to come to an agreement. I'm hoping that in the next two or three weeks they can figure something out where it makes sense. I do believe that Rob Manford has made a lot of mistakes with the whole Astros thing, the Boston Red Sox thing. If if I was Rob Manford right now, I want to solidify myself as this commissioner past 2024 when his contract is up. I would try to get the, the MLBPA and the owners to sit down with each other and come to an agreement and come to an agreement fast because, to me, without baseball, without basketball, without hockey, even without football, which I do believe 110% there will be a football season this year, I, I'm worried that if they don't come to an agreement, we're going to be lost with sports for even longer than we expected. So I'm looking forward to this Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady golf Golf tournament that they're going to have. The way they're talking crap and they're going back and forth all over social media. It's really, really funny. It's, I, it, it kind of gets takes you away from what's going on in the world. I think it's going to be fun to watch, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I really am.
1: It's something. It's something live, um, like you said. But I, you know, what I'm concerned most arrow if baseball doesn't come back because honestly, so far I'm just getting. I'm getting more pessimistic as the days go on just because I, I just think there's no trust, especially with Rob Manfred basically siding with the owners more and losing a lot of the trust, I think, from the players coming off of the Astros scandal. Um, I, I just don't see how that, like, if the players don't trust the owners, why would they do anything that they're trying or bargain any, any way more than they already did? I mean, their salaries already cut in half. Let's, let's just talk about that, you know. Going, pro-rating your salary, going from 162 to 82 games, you cut the season in half, their salaries cut in half, so they already took a pay cut. And now to even ask them to take more of a pay cut, you know, t- just so the owners can, can save a little bit more money. I have a tough time siding with billionaire owners. But at the same time, I think both are going to have to be to blame here because, to your point, like this ha- baseball has to return. It, I'm more worried about the long-term effects for baseball because obviously the strike in 1994 really turned a lot of fans off. And I think now, with everything considered, all these circumstances surrounding um, playing again and resuming, if they can't do it for health, fine. Right, if it's too risky, if you can't ensure players are gonna be safe playing the game, that's no problem. I think everyone understands that and no one have a problem with it. I have a real concern and worry that if baseball can't figure it out because players and owners can't come together on what who's gonna get paid what, and the season doesn't happen because of money and strictly money, I'm so concerned that a lot of people will be turned off by baseball, tuning out completely. And 5, 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now, especially with these a lot of young kids right now, that's the market that MLB is trying to tap into. With nothing else to watch, this is a great time for them to take hold of that market, get to get to people that they normally wouldn't get to that are watching other things. With nothing else to watch right now, baseball, and we even see with Korean baseball, I mean, most of the baseball fans are watching it at 1 a.m., but people are still enjoying baseball and enjoying live sports that they don't know the outcome of. Baseball can do that, can tap into that market. I'm really concerned that if they don't play, um, out of money reasons, a lot of fans will be turned off, and baseball will just continue to toil and get less and less relevant nationally. Um, which just means it's going to be, you know, basically turn into hockey.
2: I think it's a backbreaker for the MLB to figure this out, and I also believe that the UFC. And as much as I can't stand Dana White, and everybody knows that listens to my show, I. I... I'd like to stab him in the back. And not personally, you know, with a knife, but you know what I mean. Yes. Stab him in the back. Theoretically. The yeah. Socially. Theoretically, yes. Personally, I think the guy's a moron. But um, I, I think that he has the right touch of trying to get the sport out there. Even if there's no fans out there, it will draw the fans because they're trying to find something to watch. They're trying to have something to move forward to. I mean, I understand families right now are sitting back and they're saying, you know what? You know, if there's no sports this year, oh, so be it. But as uh, you know, as and me and all the sports fans out there, we have something to go home to every single day. We want to see sports. We want to be interactive in the sports world, not just watching it, but, you know, doing fantasy sports. I mean, look how many fantasy owners. Look at how many DraftKings, and you can say whatever you want. All these organizations are losing tons and tons of money. And I understand why the – the MLBPA is saying, "Well, these are billionaire owners. They should, they should dial up. They should open up their pockets and, and pay us what we deserve." I understand the MLB players. I really do. I understand the NBA players and the NHL players. But you have to come to a conclusion that if if they're not going to come to an agreement, you have to come to. A, there has to be a middle, a middle tone, a middle man there to try to figure this out. And I think Rob Manford, Adam Silver. Gary Bettman, uh, Roger Goodell, all these commissioners, Dana White—they all should be coming together with with the owners and figuring out um, the best way of bringing the sports back. And also, I, I will say this, Ryan, and I, I as a, as a sports fan, and really just analyzing what is going on in the world, and I, I really, I'm disgusted with what 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 I'm hearing through Donald Trump's voice or. And I like Donald Trump, so, so I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not going
1: to tell you if I'm a supporter or not because I don't want to get into politics. But I like. Yeah, what please Donald don't. Trump is we're not no, doing not. that here. Oh, I'm not. I, I I like what
2: Donald Trump is saying, but I also dislike what is going on in the politic world, where they're bringing sports into their conversation when it has nothing to do with what what we're trying to do to get through with this, with the pandemic and stuff like that. So I I think. I think right now where the world is, we need sports back. Sports needs to be back. I think it will make us – I think it will get us away from all the stuff that's going on in the world that we know it. And I I think as a sports fan, and you know this more than anybody knows this, um, we want to come back to a normal life, a normal lifestyle. And I think that because of what's going on with the COVID-19 and and the pandemic that we're dealing with and really what's going on in the world as as we know it we need sports to come back and we need to come to a conclusion uh to all this and even if there's no fans and i i believe we will not have fans till 2021 next year possibly it might be 2022 if we don't have a a vaccine yeah uh, i'm worried i'm worried that that's going to happen but nevertheless we need sports back These players cannot sit out for a whole year and expect the fans the year after to come and actually dial up and watch their shows. That's why the UFC came back, because they know they're going to steal fans away from other sports, because if they're showing their product and they're putting their product out there, the product will be seen, and more UFC people or fans that are not interested in mixed martial arts will be more entwined and go into watching mixed martial arts and steal some of the fans away from MLB, the NHL, the NBA...
1: And the NFL. So I agree. I, yeah, that's. I think it's why it's so important for Major League Baseball, like I said, just to return because there's an untapped market right now. It's just it's out there, and like I said, you've seen Dana White are, are taking advantage of it right now. They have a, you know it's easier for them in an individual sport to kind of keep all the fighters away and at least try to limit the exposure. And if so, if someone unfortunately does get sick, it doesn't ruin their card. As we already saw, you know a fighter gets sick, but everything else just kept going outside of that fight. Um, so it's gonna be. I'm with you, man. I'm dying for sports to come back. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Obviously, if it's safe. But Errol, we appreciate you calling in, man. Thanks so much for uh, for giving us some Absolutely. minutes.
2: Absolutely, no politics, guys. No <laughs> politics.
1: <laughs> no. Talk to you soon, Errol. The great Arrow Marks, host of Down to the Wire, um, every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And I had some great, great guests over the last few weeks. So definitely uh, throw throw him a listen. If you can't listen to the show, uh, six to eight o'clock. If it's you know during dinner time, or if you're still driving to work during your commute home and can't just can't get to the radio. or well, really, radio. If you can't get to the computer at this point with everything all digital, uh, if you have the app, or if you go to com or Facebook, or Twitter, or YouTube, World Light Sports Network, Sports Eric, all the clips from his show, all the great interviews he has, are all listed there as well. Um, so, so many different ways to reach out and catch up on the uh, the World Light Sports Radio and our content. Um, so, again, we do appreciate Eric. forget us two minutes here. He's right. It's it's depressing, and unfortunately, you know, coming off of Blake Snell's comments. Um, I have a tough time and I get, you know, as the days go on, less and less hopeful that baseball could return because I think it's, there's a real rift, a real divide between the players and the owners. There's no trust at all. And I think that's going a really rare, it's ugly head when it comes to trying to negotiate um, in good terms and good faith to try to get the players back on the field safely, but also compensated well um, in the meantime. So when we come back, we will have our uh, most intriguing teams, numbers 20 to 17 of the NFL season going into 2020, which teams are really in that middle tier of, there's some excitement, there's some reason to tune in, there's some reason to kind of keep an eye on the score as they're playing week in and week out. And it's still not too late. 2020 apocalypse coming in about 15 minutes or so. If you want to get in, if you want to be our third contestant, Try to get in the money, trying to get first place. The, right now, the number to meet is three out of five. So if you want to get in, want to uh, be a contestant for this third edition of 2020 Apocalypse, reach out on Facebook, Twitter, WWSR, and underscore radio, or even just shoot me a text saying, hey, I want to play, and we'll uh, we'll get you on the show. So when we come back, again, we'll do our numbers 20 through 17, most intriguing NFL teams for 2020. And the morning boys of Ryan Aker return right here on the World of Sports Radio Network.
0: It is it, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the Morning Boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Ryan
1: Hickey. Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys with Ryan Hickey here with you on this Thursday. Hopefully, everyone's staying safe, staying sane. As uh, we're trying to stay insane here as well in the World Art Sports right, Eric. It's it's a depressing time, uh, as we all know, but hopefully we can get through this together. And hopefully for at least these two hours every uh, Monday and Thursday, we can uh, make your day a little bit brighter. So like I said, speaking of which, we'll provide some comedic relief with the third edition of 2020 or Apocalypse. In just about 10 or 15 minutes or so, Nick McCool started started us off hot. Three out of five questions. He is the leader right now in the clubhouse. My cousin Beth came in second place, two out of five. So right now, those two are in the money. Remember, first place and second place each get a prize and a, a, a gift card to support your local business. So right now, those two are the numbers to beat, 3 out of 5 and 2 out of 5. Um, but it is definitely up for the taking as the third edition of 2020 or Apocalypse happens. So if you want to get in, let me know. Any of the last-minute contestants will get there, and if not, we'll have a very, very special guest, someone who is very excited to come on and compete, um, which will be a lot of fun for sure. But before we get there, just uh, like I said, we uh, we do this every show until we get to number one, that is... The most intriguing teams heading into the 2020 NFL season. Free agency in the books. The draft has come and gone. So for the most part, all these rosters are set. And how they'll look right now is, for the most part, is how they will look by the time we get to we um, got time we get to week one, whenever that is, September, October, 2021. We who knows when the NFL will resume. But from now until then, we'll at least try to give you the teams to look out for that are most likely you should be keeping your eye on. So. With numbers 20 through 17, we basically have the bottom tier, the bottom third of the least, uh, least intriguing, most boring teams done, which were in order from least boring to somewhat interesting, Jaguars, Bears, Lions, um, Panthers, Titans, Redskins, Bills, Steelers, Vikings, Falcons, Giants, and Jets. Those teams kind of round out that bottom tier of teams. So let's go to number 20 through 17. At number 20, the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Russell Wilson alone alone is the price of mission, right? He is a great watch. He's only gotten better. And really, since the Legion of Boom and since the Seahawks have kind of moved their identity from defense and winning games um, by suffocating you and just having the offense do enough, Russell Wilson has taken over the team, been the identity, and now is winning games with his arm, winning games with his legs, and the offense has been the driving force. So Russell Wilson, for sure, is a guy you want to keep your eye on. Always kind of tune in wherever the Seahawks are on television. And they're starting to build a nice core around them. They have DK Metcalf, which really had a better year. I think it's a surprising year than most coming out um, as a receiver in his rookie year. You have Tyler Lockett, so they're a deep threat, as always, for the Seahawks. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, form a nice running back uh, tandem and a run-heavy offense. So the, the offense has been dynamic, and they keep on improving. Another reason to watch the Seahawks, they're in the toughest division in 2020, the NFC West, with the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Rams, and the Cardinals. That's going to be a hell Hell of a battle, hell of a division. The Seahawks came within, what was it, two yards last year of winning the division and getting the number one seed in the NFC, just coming up short on their own, uh, on, again, on the own 49er um, two yard line with um, with the game on the line, with the division on the line in the last game of the season. So they went toe to toe with the team that went to the Super Bowl, and they come back just as strong. Um, so the Seahawks will be intriguing. Now, losing Jadaven Clownies a little bit, you know, that hurts the defense for sure. Um, so I think the Seahawks, their team are going to be good intriguing keep your eye on are they going to be a must watch every week or say no they're going to really excite you blow your doors off no that's why they're at number 20 number 19 the los angeles chargers so many question marks and that's really what makes them intriguing right this is not a list of who we think we're going to be the best teams in the nfl this is a list of who's going to be the most exciting teams bad teams can be exciting remember the buccaneers last year Jameis winston was uh, was an interesting player but he was an exciting player Throws an amazing pass, uh, one play. The next play throws the worst pick you ever seen. It's exciting, you know. You don't know what you're going to get. That's like I feel like the Chargers. They have a lot of question marks. When will Justin Herbert play? How will Justin Herbert play? Because right now, you look at that offense. They have great a great supporting cast around Justin Herbert. Really, one of the best supporting casts for rookie quarterback that you'll really ever see. I mean, he has great receivers. You have Mike Williams, who's a big body. You have Keenan Allen, who's a professional wide receiver. You have Hunter Henry, who's a great tight end when he's healthy. You have Austin Eckler, a great, great weapon out of the backfield for running back. They have a solid offensive line that's improving with Brian Belaga and the Trey Turner additions. You got a nice free agency addition in Chris Harris on the back end and secondary. And two years ago, this team was 12-4. and And I'm more bullish, uh, I'll admit, I'm more bullish on the Chargers than most. I think they still have a lot of talent and still can go back to and are closer to a 12-4 year they had two years ago compared to the 5-11 and 11 year they had last year. I think they're still close to that really good team. I think their quarterback play um, held them back, which is great news considering I'm a Colts fan, seeing uh, Philip Rivers come to town. But I like the talent that the Chargers have. So with that, I think they could be a good team. They're in an interesting division, a good division. You have the Raiders that I think are up and coming. You have obviously the Chiefs defending world champions. But to me, I, the, the question marks that are there of how Justin Herbert will play, how this team will play, because offensively, defensively, they have the pieces to be a playoff team, to be a good team. So that's going to be interesting to see his development. Um, obviously, they're in a new stadium, which I think as does add to watchability. Will Chargers fans show up? Are there any Chargers fans? Uh, right now, you know, the Rams have the edge in the market. I mean, as we saw, the Chargers couldn't even fill up a 30,000-seat stadium. So what's going to happen now when they move to their new SoFi stadium, when they have to fill up 65, 70,000 seats, what will it look like? I mean, I'm interested in that. I think that def- definitely makes it watchable for sure of how many Chargers fans will show up. And if so, if they get better, if they are closer to 12 and 4, will more Chargers fans start to get on board with their fan base building? That's an interesting um, development. And also, too, like, not going to lie, at least for me, their uniforms are worth watching. Six new uniforms, all great. They crushed it. Absolutely crushed it going back to the old school, which we'll get to the uniform um, power rankings at the end of the show at 10 uh, 40 Eastern. We'll give you the one through seven rankings of all the teams in new uniforms. So, the to me, like, watching a team, if it's aesthetically pleasing on the to, on the eyes, they're wearing cool uniforms, I'm locked in more. I'll be honest. If the, if the game is bad but the uniforms are cool, I will watch longer than most. So, I like what they did in the draft. I like what they did in free agency. They would have a, a strong core in my mind for 2020. So, I'm interested to see how will Justin Herbert play. When will he play, right? If Terod Taylor starts the season and plays well, we're not going to see Justin Herbert, but again, I think this team could be actually better than most think. I think they're closer to twelve and four than the five and eleven record they were to uh, last year. So I think they're primed for a bounce back and will be in playoff contention. That's why I have the Los Angeles Chargers at number nineteen. At number eighteen, similar to a lot of the same qualities that the Chargers have, and that is a foe in their own division, the Las Vegas Raiders. New stadium is always to me intriguing and exciting, and there's going to be some buzz around what the new stadium looks like, how the Raiders play, will fans show up, and guess what? The NFL is interested because they have the Raiders in four primetime games this year, all of them at home. Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, all four of those primetime games the Raiders are playing in in 2020 are at home. So the NFL is pushing Vegas; they want to make it, they want Vegas to be a destination, they want people to go out to the stadium and see what it looks like. It looks great from the outside; it looks like a spaceship. I mean, it looks like um the Death Star if you're a Star Wars fan. That's exactly you know the first reminder that it is. So it looks cool. It looks very Vegas, it looks very Raiders. Right? This dark, dark um, windows, everything's black on the outside. It looks like um really like a spaceship. So that's intriguing. That's the reason why I'm gonna watch for sure. They finished strong. I mean the Raiders had a strong finish in 2019. They were in the playoff hunt towards the end in December. Um, I think they returned a strong team coming back for 2020. I like the Henry Ruggs edition in the draft as a speedster, stir, a burner. That could be a nice addition for that John Gruden offense there. And honestly, another storyline that's interesting to see is how Derek Carr either progresses or regresses. I mean, it's kind of known that maybe John Gruden is not in love with Derek Carr. Maybe he's interested in other quarterbacks. He already signed Marcus Mariotti to, to be his backup this year. So I'm interested to see, despite Derek Carr getting that big contract a few years ago, Hasn't really been able to live up to that play where he was a borderline MVP candidate back in 2016. The Raiders had a great year until he got hurt. So let's just see if it's another year. Like, if he plays well, I think he could carry on in Las Vegas. If he regresses, I'm really interested to see what happens, what Gruden does if he goes to Mariota, if he, you know, makes a move in the offseason, and just how he reacts. Because Gruden is also very emotional on the sidelines. So it's a big year for Derek Carr. Interested to see how he plays. Because, like I said, I think the Vegas Raiders are another borderline playoff team. Think they could take another step. They were a young team last year, offensively and defensively. They finished strong. Interesting how Derek Carr is. And not to mention, too, really, the weakest point of their team is that corner, which in talks of intriguing in terms of exciting is actually a good thing because that means you think they're going to have a lot of pass yards, which means that a lot of touchdowns are going to be scored through the air, which means you are going to have a lot of high-scoring games, which that adds intrigue, that adds excitement. Fans love scoring, love touchdowns. The more you can get, the better. If the Vegas Raiders are in a lot of high-scoring games here, and they're in again in the division with the Chiefs, the Broncos improved, the Chargers improved. They can have a fun season. They can be a fun watch. That's why I had the Charger, uh, excuse me, the the Raiders at number 18 and at number 17, really, to finish out the AFC West for at least these three teams: the Denver Broncos, similar to what the Raiders had, a young team that finished strong last year. A lot of buzz and excitement around Drew Locke. Five starts last year was four and one, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. So Broncos, similar to the Raiders, had a young team last year, finished strong, now going to year two where, where Drew Locke is going to be the guy for a full season. So see how he plays. But you look at the weapons that he has. Quillett Sutton, professional wide receiver. Just a possession guy you can rely on. Quillett Sutton, just a pro. That's where you could say he's a pro. Great receiver. You draft Jerry Jude of Alabama in the first pick. You draft KJ Hamler, my guy at Penn State with the second pick. You already have Noah Fant there. You have Phillip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon. This offense going to be fun. They have a lot of weapons here, a lot of young weapons too. So it's interesting to see, and it's going to be fun to see how Drew Locke, with all these great weapons around him, how he distributes the ball and how he plays. I think the Broncos are a sneaky team. They've done a great job building the team. Credit to John LA. Because honestly, outside of a quarterback, he's done a great job of building the Super Bowl teams with Peyton Manning. And now reloading again, having a lot of young talent. On the offensive side, Bradley Chubb returns on the defensive end to go across from Von Miller. There's some storylines. There's some excitement here. They could be a scrappy team. They are really the AFC version of the Cardinals, is what I look at, it's depending on how Drew Locke can play, and again, in his first full year. Last year, the Cardinals were interesting to me because, because of Kyler Murray, how he fits with Cliff Kingsbury. They were a young team. They were tough out last year. You know, Despite being inexperienced, despite having not a great defense, and despite, again, trying to work in with a rookie quarterback, working with some young weapons outside of Larry Fitzgerald, the Cardinals were a tough team, and despite their record not being great, there were no rollover. There were no pushover. I think the Broncos could, could be the same exact way this year. And I'm not saying they're, I don't think they'll be in a playoff hunt, but they could be one of those teams, especially in a tough division and a tough AFC with a lot of young quarterbacks. I think they could easily compete, be a tough out. Every game, teams just bring their best if they want to win. So I really like the Broncos what they're building. A young core um, and a young nucleus out there in Denver. Credit to John Elway. If he can hit on Drew Locke, he's missed on every single young quarterback he's ever drafted. Could Drew Locke be the difference? Again, finish strong. We'll see if John Elway finally, 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 finally got a quarterback right that he drafted. Um, I think that's why the Denver Broncos are worth a watch at number 17. So I'll do it again. So we have numbers 20 through 17. You have the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. A very, very heavy AFC West field, which I didn't realize until just reading these off. Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos at 19, 18, 17, all from the AFC West. Spoiler, Chiefs going to be pretty high on that list when it comes down to... Uh, the final few and being number one. We'll see if they can land that spot. So if you have any thoughts, if I left a team out, if maybe one of these two teams is too high, and we're almost here at the top half. Um, so I'd love to get your thoughts on any team either left out, think is too high, not high enough. him. Maybe I'm not giving the Chargers enough credit. Maybe they're way more intriguing. Should be a top 10, top 15 team. Um, so get your thoughts. And when we come back, 2020 or Apocalypse, we'll get you the third edition of the game show when we come back on the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the Morning Boys. On World Wide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
1: Welcome back into the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It is a game show that is sweeping the nation. Fastest-growing game show in all of America. Not my not my words, um, but other people's, the audiences. Uh, so I'm just relaying the facts here. But we've had uh, a lot of fun so far on 2020 or Apocalypse. Nick McCool started us off last week, 3 out of 5, going in strong. My cousin Beth came on on Monday, 2 out of 5, a lot of ridicule. And um, I figured no better person to bring on for episode number 3. And in, uh, in really, a make or break in terms of questions here, because I've got a lot of scrutiny from this person the um, questions are too easy, questions are too hard. So figured now, might as well just, instead of hearing all the complaints off the air, bring her on the air. And that is none other than Lauren, my girlfriend. What's going on, Lauren? Hey, Ryan, what's up? Oh, I uh... Wow, you are a lot louder than everyone else oh, wow. on, the, uh, on the line. Wow, a lot of excitement here, <laughs> a lot of a energy.
3: I'd say nervous. Um, you know, I did a lot of chirping. Um, so I feel like I've got to, you know, really defend myself. If I go 0 for 5, then... You know that's just bad news bears, but I will
1: say Nick had it easy, Beth had it hard. So, so I'm there here you go. So it. you are, yeah, you are the one. After we started the game, you said, "Oh, this is a great idea," but you know these questions are too easy. And unfortunately, yeah. Beth, I'm sorry, but you, I guess, were the the one who had to uh, deal with the other end of the spectrum being too hard. So here's the criticism we're putting. You know, hopefully, at least for these uh, these questions, I, I made it somewhat fair. But I know you're very nervous. Are you ready for these five yeah. questions?
3: If I go over five, then we just like
1: won't air the episode, right? Yes. No. no yeah. This okay, is like this perfect. is a pre-record. <laughs> so we'll just we'll the live We'll just we won't do the game show for uh, for Thursday. How about that? Perfect.
3: All perfect, right. Perfect. So. All right. Let's
1: do it. As you know, we'll have five questions. Um, we'll give you just a, a, a story, a news item, whether it happened in 2020 or Apocalypse. So you have to figure it out. The number to beat is three. To get first place, the number to beat is two. To get second place, I know you're very nervous. Have you crammed? Have you done all your research for this segment? <laughs>
3: I did. Well, see, if I had time to prepare, if I knew I was coming on, I would have been up all night cramming. I would have pulled an all-nighter. Now, you're getting just whatever was up in, you know, in my head before, so who knows what we're going to end up with.
1: All right. Who knows? Are you ready, then, for number one? Yes.
3: Let's try it. All
1: right. This is in your neck of woods. A Virginia restaurant is ensuring that their place is following proper social distancing proto- uh, protocols and half-capacity protocols by placing human mannequins In half the seats in the restaurant, is that 2020 or Apocalypse? It's
3: 2020.
1: Wow. Look at you. One for one. You're not going for five. All right.
3: All right. Let's end it there. hundred (laughs) percent.
1: She's batting a thousand. Yeah. Patrick (laughs) O'Connell, who owns the Inn at Little Washington, when they open up plans to outfit mannequins in the restaurant, in half the restaurant, even dressed them in 1940s attire and even (laughs) instructed the waiters to serve them wine so people feel at ease. The normalities are turned, and the restaurant is full, despite obviously only being allowed to have half capacity. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's
3: 2020 for you. You're, you're giving mannequins wine, and you're dressing them in costumes. Sounds right.
1: Look at them. Go figure the mannequins the ones winning out of the, all this, you know, I know. Uh, quarantine. They mannequins don't have to have talk a...
3: to anyone. They don't even have to pay for their wine.
1: I know. just Free wine. Not bad. <laughs> Night on the town. Free wine. Free <laughs> entertainment. You know, the mannequins have it all right. But yeah, you I are, wish I had that life. For real, for real. <laughs> but you're one for one, so you are doing better than, I'm not going to lie, I was hoping you'd go over five. You were, you were uh, talking a lot of smack.
3: I know, that's why I'm nervous, I'm going over five. Don't take away my one that I got right so, at the end. All right, she got off
1: <laughs> <laughs> So you are one for one. Number two, in California, tanning salons are considered essential businesses, and local leaders are encouraging the use of salons over sunbathing at the beaches in order to limit the number of people at the beach. 2020 or oh. apocalypse? I hope apocalypse. You, apocalypse. Is that your final answer? Are you yeah, hoping? apocalypse. Two for two. I'm impressed. That is that is not true. That is only what happened in the apocalypse. Tank salons are not even open yet. They're, I guess, in the same category as nail salons where they open in, uh, in phase three of how California reopens that they're currently in between one and two, but not the case. I mean, they're not allowing people on the beaches and can't sunbathe, but the alternative yeah. has not been tanning salon. So you are two for two. I was were... going to
3: say, I would hope they're not promoting tanning salons. Scary you, stuff, man.
1: You never know. You never know. Crazy <laughs> crazier things have happened. But you are two for two, currently in the money, tied for second place. So, All right,
3: Nick, I'm coming for you.
1: We're, yeah, this is your chance to go <laughs> for the tie. Three left. All right. JetBlue is selling snack packs that consist of cheese and crackers that you could only get previously on the plane when you fly so that flyers who miss being on the plane, miss those airplane snacks, can really indulge themselves and still get the feel like they're on the plane. Is that 2020? Can you buy airline basically snacks in 2020?
3: 2020.
1: Wow, three for three. Wow. These might be too easy. But JetBlue yeah, is... Yeah, no,
3: they're too hard. I'm just too
1: smart. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> about that. But JetBlue <laughs> is selling snack packs that you can buy on delivery for, I think it's like $3. But to people, oh, I wow. mean, I wouldn't want... I mean, the last thing I would want if no. I it was a freaking flyer, it was, it was airline food.
3: No. But, you know, I th- there is something to say about those little crunchy, and they got the wasabi pieces in there. They're not bad. But they,
1: you can just I, get them anywhere, though. You can just go to the local life. supermarket. You don't have to exactly. order from JetBlue.
3: But, you know, it's 2020, right? Things, to, things are flying.
1: To each his own. I guess you're right. <laughs> All right, so you are curly tied for first place. I promise this is not rigged. If anything, I was trying to make it too hard so she doesn't win. <laughs> curly tied for first place. Alright. Are you ready for number four? Yes. Alright, a shopper at Costco was removed from the store because they are going down the wrong way on a one way aisle. Apocalypse or twenty twenty? Twenty twenty. That is that is the apocalypse. That's not been the case.
3: Really? Oh and at our grocery stores here, they um at the Whole Foods they have the like one way and they have like these big stop um signs that are just pasted on the ground. And if you go the wrong way, people will like, "Excuse me, ma'am."
1: Wow. Oh, I'm not doubting, but no one's got kicked out yet.
3: Yeah, kicked him out.
1: Here we go. Now she's just now, she's just now she's just right. making up encounters so that she can get number four right. There's no asterisk. <laughs> you got that one wrong. That does not. That's not happening.
3: Mm, we we can we can review the
1: clip later. She's gonna go to the store now, <laughs> kick someone out, put it on video, and send it in it. It happened. This is from last week. <laughs> But thankfully, it's not yet. There's not been a national news story of someone going down the wrong way and getting kicked out. ton of one ways, like you said. People, I'm sure, will give you the nasty eye or say something. People oh, are not given shy. I've
3: nasty eye. I've also received it, but I'm like, all right.
1: Have you said – you haven't said anything, though. You would never.
3: <laughs> no, I wouldn't.
1: <laughs> just, just the eye, hopefully, for them uh, gets, gets the matches across. All right, so you're three for four. Again, still tied for first place. So worst-case scenario, you're leaving tied for first. Are you ready for number five?
3: Yes, very nervous, but let's do it. All
1: right. The police pulled over a five-year-old after his parents wouldn't buy him a Lamborghini, so he decided to steal his parents' car and go drive and try to buy one for himself. 2020
3: 2020 or apocalypse? And then, 2020, and then they rewarded, I don't know who it was, but they rewarded him by driving him in a fancy car, I'm pretty sure.
1: Are you kidding me? You knew the story?
3: No, I know the story.
1: Oh, my God. Why is it not? No, no, it's That's right. It's 2020. Time. It was a 5-year-old in Utah. He was yeah, pulled over by police 2 miles ago. from his house and he was trying to drive all the way to California to buy a Lambo. Do you know how much money he had on him that he was going to try to buy? Uh, <laughs> he had $3 I, on him. Probably could have got I it. I mean,
3: worth the shot though.
1: Wow, I can't believe you knew that. I figured that these like I guess I got to get new sources then. This this one area um I kept going to for all my all my sourcing here. Um, I guess you go to as well. Damn, four to five.
3: <laughs> I knew that one because I saw it a few days ago, and then I'm pretty sure somewhere deep in the TikToks. Oh wow, there's something in my throat. Deep in the talks, I saw something about it. So, damn, yeah, that was last week. Damn
1: news, TikTok. But... I thought I had it. <laughs> All right, so four to five, very impressive. You are in first place right How you? Fe- I know you're very nervous. How you feeling?
3: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm feeling on top of the world.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not, not happy, happy about, about this. I thought this was going to go a lot differently, to be honest. <laughs> but you said the bar very high. Four to five is tough. I, I was talking to Nick on on, um, on Monday after, after the segment, and he really wanted. He he said four to five is going to be the number B. He would feel pretty comfortable wow. sitting there. And he was not wrong because the next show, he he was already surpassed. So if he's not listening, I
3: hope Nick is listening. <clears throat>
1: How you feel about that, Nick? Oh man, this is. I promise you, this was not rigged. I, <laughs> I this is this is going to look bad. This is going to be bad optics. But uh, Yeah,
3: especially if your girlfriend wins.
1: Oof, bad uh, luck. Hopefully that, that gift card doesn't get lost in the mail. I'd hate to see that. <laughs> but Lauren, four to five, congratulations. You crushed it, man.
3: Thanks, man. Oof, nerve wracking. But she did it.
1: She, she survived it. She survived uh, if only people knew the amount of nerves. I've been talking to her for the last <laughs> week, joking that you're gonna get on the show and it's a knock overall. But hey, four to five, you are now number one. I'm sure I won't hear about that ever again.
3: No big deal, not going in my head.
1: Wow. So, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on. We do appreciate it. Four to five. So right now you're sitting wow. pretty, but uh, congratulations on just, just crushing it.
3: Thanks for having me, man. What an honor.
1: What an honor. Lauren Clark, we do appreciate her joining in. Four out of five. I promise. If anything, I was trying to make her go over five. I really was. And it did not uh, did not go how I thought it would, but she, she crushed it absolutely. Now the new number. Sorry, Beth. I'm sorry, Nick. Uh, the new number to beat is four out of five. So we'll do this again on Monday. Five new questions, hopefully harder. I got to figure out some new source and where I'm getting all these stories from. Um, I guess make it, make the apocalypse is more believable. But Lauren has set the bar world record for 2020 or apocalypse, as she set four out of five. So when we come back, we'll finish up, like I said, we tried to get to earlier, didn't have time. NFL had seven teams redo their jerseys, redo their uniforms. Most of them are just terrible. We give you power rankings, one through seven to finish out the show. When the morning boys Ryan Hickey return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
1: Welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We do thank and appreciate Lauren Clark for jumping on here and uh, competing in episode three of 2020 or Apocalypse. She did very well, almost too well. Um, as she got four out of five, so that is a new number to beat. Almost have to go have to go perfect now if you want to uh, take over her and get into first place. Um, so each each day, you know, the scores have been uh, it's been competitive. So now Nick. Who had the score to beat three to five is now in second place, still in the money. But we do apologize to Beth as she falls out of the running. But again, we do had a lot of laughs and do appreciate her uh, joining in and tuning in last week. Um, and competing. So if you want to compete, if you want to beat four to five, you can do it. Go five out of five. Go perfect. Let me know. Reach out. We'll get you on Monday um, as the latest edition goes on, and we'll make the uh, hopefully the questions fair one point or another. But I promise you, um, try my best to stump Lauren, and she she crushed it. She crushed. Have to go back to the wall. I think us said good ones, and we'll be back on Monday with another edition of Twenty Twenty or Apocalypse. So we'll finish up the show. We're going to get this earlier. Didn't have time to. The NFL, um, seven seven different teams. Excuse me, had uniform redesigns, changes, slight tweaks um, going into twenty twenty, and slowly but surely, we've seen the reveals. You know, throughout the last six weeks or so, teams have shown off these uniforms, show what they're going to look like in twenty twenty. Um, I'm a uniform. I wouldn't say nerd or geek, but like I, I enjoy them more than most. Especially for college, like you know, that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm a big college football fan is because I love the uniform changes. I love the designs. I love the alternate jerseys. Um, the NFL, you don't do it and you don't see it as often, as frequently. Um, but anytime a change does happen, I always look forward to it. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm one of those guys where it could be a terrible game, awful game, but if the uniforms are cool, I'm in. I'm absolutely in. Um, so now at least that—that's why I'm. Uh, I do appreciate, I was looking forward to these seven changes for these seven teams. So without further ado, we'll give you our power rankings, one through seven of all seven teams that had uniform changes, redesigns heading to 2020. We'll start at the top because I have a lot more to say about the ones who stunk than the ones who actually did well. So starting number one, the Cleveland Browns, out of the seven, and those are the Browns, the Colts, Rams, Chargers, Buccaneers, Falcons, and Patriots. All seven of those teams had some sort of tweak or overall design rehaul of their uniform. Number one, the Browns. Complete overall. I love it. They went back to their roots, which is most important. To me, the classic look never fails. And there's going to be a theme here of the ones I like and the ones I don't like. There's going to be themes for each. The theme that I like with the Browns, go back to your roots. Their old jerseys look great. Very simple. You had the brown um, brown jerseys. You had like red. Excuse me, not red. You had orange um, stripes on the side of the jersey. It looks very good. White pants look great. The Browns Went back to retro, and guess what? The classic look never, ever, ever fails. My only gripe is that they kept the face mask the same. I thought it looked great when they had the white face mask. But other than that, the Browns now changed their uniform. They go back to their old days. Um, very plain. No more Cleveland across the chest. No more Cleveland on the side of the pants. White pants with a nice brown stripe. Brown pants, white jerseys with the, with the brown and orange stripes on the side, um, on the shoulder pads. Looks great. Looks clean, very simple, not overdone. They overdid it. The last uniform they revealed with Browns across their chest did not look great. Um, or Cleveland across their chest, I should say. So not look great. And going back, going old school is better. And really, as you'll see, I got another theme. Simpler is better, less is more. Browns didn't overdo it, didn't overthink it. Every one of their fans loved their last, uh, the classic and retro look. That's what they went back to. Appease the fans. Crushed it. That's why the Browns are number one. Number two, but very close. I think the Browns and this team, the Chargers here, are neck and neck. The Chargers had the same philosophy. They went back as well. They brought back classic concepts going back to the 1980s. The yellow pants are fantastic. All those great days with Dan Fouts, with Kellen Winslow. You watch the old highlights. Those are the uniforms that the Chargers went with that are going, they're going back to. Great. I absolutely love it. Going back. Classic is always clean classic, always looks good. 1980s is great. The lightning bolt on the shoulder pads on the pants, I'm just in love with. Yellow pants, like I said, are just a great, great look. And you know what I love too? They have like, I mean, first they have a million combos, which I I love. I absolutely love when you can have all these different alternates, all these different combinations of pant color, jersey color. The Chargers have six different uniforms that they can can roll out there. So I love the variety. And I love too is that they have three different shades of blue that they're going to feature for their home jersey. And all of them are great. They have the powder blue, iconic, classic. You have to include those. You don't think Chargers, without the powder blues, they put those in there, great look. Great look. The navy blue, they also kept around, which I like. They redesigned a little bit um, to navy blue to go with, like, a sharp highlighter yellow, which I think looks very good. Um, they have the pants and the jerseys that match that, so it's a very clean, very good look. And they have, like, a, they had their Color Rush jerseys from a few years ago, which is like a... I'm trying to describe it where it's like a a powder blue and a deep blue mixed together, maybe like a neon blue, sort of. It's sort of like a neon blue. It kind of sticks out, but it's not overbearing. It's not too much. It looks good. So having those three options, I think the Chargers crushed it all three, um, and they are going to be looking good on the field. I think they'll be good on the field as well. So they'll be looking good, playing good. Chargers going back to the old school, and they crushed it. Um, so they were number two, again, following the Browns at number one. Number three, similar to the Chargers, similar to the Browns, the Buccaneers, and I owe them an apology, but the Buccaneers went back to a classic and retro look. Now, I'll be honest, when the Buccaneers first came out with their uniforms, and they went back to the late 90s, early 2000s, so they have the red, the red jerseys, the pewter brown pants, you want to say, and they're their helmet that, if you remember them, what they looked like when they won the Super Bowl, that's what they're bringing back here in 2020. And I'll be honest. Early on, when the Buccaneers hyping up the uniform reveal, because that's also another thing now that teams do, right? You can't just reveal the uniforms. You have to hype it up. You have to have a release date for the release date. May 8th is when we'll tell you that we're going to release the jerseys. They have a release date for the release date. That's how much, you know, that's how much these bows are trying to get. And with the Buccaneers least, they put a lot of hype in, we're going to revolutionize the jersey. We're going to, you know, something you've never seen before. It's going to be great. We're going to blow your socks off. And I'm not going to lie, I bought into the hype thinking it was going to be something new. They tried to go new with these digital number jerseys and the jerseys and the uniforms they had for the last three or four years were new. And it didn't work out well, so maybe I should have been more relieved that they went with the old school look. But I definitely honestly thought they were going to change it up completely compared to what they did just going back old school. Because They were really hyping it up that it was going to be something new, something different, something sleek, something great. They just went back to the old school jer- jerseys. I just th- That was my biggest gripe, is that they hyped up like it was going to be new when they all knew, in fact, they're just going to go back to the old look, which is not a bad thing. Like I said, the-, the Chargers, the Browns, and the Buccaneers are top three because they went back to the old look. I think it's a great look. Older jerseys, f- past concepts are great. Fans love them. and brings back nostalgia. And especially for teams like the Buccaneers, when they won their only Super Bowl in those uniforms, it helps. It helps bring back the good old days, the early 2000s, when they were a great team. We had Warren Sapkin after the quarterback, Simeon Rice. It's a great look. So now it brings back those memories, and you hope for the, the Buccaneers, you can do it again and bring back some new memories with Tom Brady and crew going for a Super Bowl here in 2020. So with that aside, with, with the hype aside, kind of I felt led astray a little bit almost. I love the going back to the late 90s, early 2000s look. My only gripe in why the Buccaneers aren't higher is that, one, they, have, they did have an alternate jersey, and – I was hoping it was going to be the cream school, right? They had a light orange and um, cream-colored jerseys back in, back in the old days, and it looked great. I was hoping for that going to come back. Now, maybe it will next year. Unfortunately, with the NFL, you can only have one helmet, and then, thus you're not going to have the normal helmet you have with the Buccaneers and then have – basically you're not going to have a brown helmet with orange and cream-colored uniforms. It's going to look awful. So maybe they're waiting until next year when the NFL can approve and allow different helmets so then you can actually have the helmet to match the uniform. So maybe they're waiting for next year to bring those out. I hope they do. The fans want them. I want them. It's a great look. You're really back in the day. But they have these pewter, basically straight brown alternates. They don't really look great. I'm not a big fan of them. And my the only other gripe is that their helmet logo, for whatever reason, if you look at the Buccaneers helmet, it has the largest logo you will ever see. I mean, it basically encompasses the entire helmet it's massive and it does not look good it's a big buccaneer flag with the logo on the flag it is so big it's honestly distracting that's how big it is right every other logo on a helmet is proportioned to the helmet size it's like they just blew this thing up and they're going to put it and fit it somehow in the helmet takes over the whole thing so that's my biggest uh my gripe i guess with the buccaneers that they kept that huge logo on the helmet um i like that they went back to the the late 90s early 2000s look it's a great look like I said, I felt a little little betrayed that they were kind of hyping it up, leading it one way, talking about Revolutionary going to be really different, great uniforms, then just go back to the old school. But again, the Buccaneers, their stock definitely rose in these last few weeks because these next teams changed their uniforms. They definitely went for a new look, and it didn't work. It did absolutely not work. So number four, we'll go with the Patriots. They changed it up. I actually like what the Patriots did. It was simple. What they do is basically make their color rush jerseys their primary jerseys. So no more the the, the classic Tom Brady two decade Patriot look. It's going to be navy blue. They have some uh, blue and white, uh, blue and red, white, blue, red, and white. Excuse me. Um, stripes on the shoulder pads, which looks good. And they basically take that same exact look and put it on the away uniforms. Uh, so put those stripes on the shoulder pads, subtle. And again, th- those jerseys are already in in uh, rotation. And the Patriots actually have been wearing them more and more often these last few years. So it's a good look. Um, navy blue jerseys, navy blue pants is going to be um, the primary look now for the Patriots with red, white, and blue stripes on the shoulder pads. It looks good. I like it. Very simple. Um, the whites are clean. Um, so the Patriots, pretty solid job for, you know, uh, for uh, everything considered. Like what they did. They are at number four. Now, the Colts were really the only team that changed subtleties, not the uniform. The only thing really the Colts changed a lot of trimming and the biggest trick for them was the numbers now it's going to look more reminiscent of the baltimore colts numbers from the 1950s and 1960s which if you're unaware what that looks like it's basically like bubble numbers the numbers got a lot bigger um they look almost yeah sort of bubbly per se um i'm not a big fan they use these numbers um when they were doing the their color rush blue pants and blue jerseys i just don't think it looks like it i don't think bubble numbers look good on an nfl uniform they're almost too big they're almost very ooh they're very similar to the Buccaneers helmet logo. It's just too big. The numbers look like they're just too big. They take up almost the entire jersey. If you're a college football fan and you watch Oregon these last two years, um, a big criticism for Oregon's uniforms is that their numbers were like way too big. Like You could see them from space. It took up basically the entire uniform was just the number on the chest and on the back. Um, similar to what the Colts have, not as egregious, but similar. So I'm not a big fan um, they also introduce a secondary logo, which I think is actually pretty cool. So it's the C, but in the C, and like the cutout there is actually ingrained as the state of Indiana. Um, so I think that's actually pretty cool. I like the the, um, the uh, creativity there. But you only not really see it too often. It's a secondary logo, so it's not going to be on the helmet. It's really not going to be on the uniform anywhere. It's just going to be more on social media um, and brands that are associated with the Colts. But I like that. So, again, small tweaks. Not a big fan of the numbers, but I like the secondary logo. They're at number five. And we have a tie for last. And again, I, like I said to start here, themes are kind of what would run through these power rankings, right? The Browns, the Chargers, and the Buccaneers. All three of them are at the top because they went back to classic looks. They didn't reinvent the wheel. They saw what worked back in the old days, in the 70s, and the 80s, and the 90s, and they went back to it. They didn't try to you know, get too cute or too creative. They went, they went back to old reliable, and the fans loved it. And so far, I think all of them are going to work, and they crushed it. Two teams that did the complete opposite of this. They went the full 180, they went new, um, sleek 2020 idea were the Falcons and the Rams. Both of them had new uniform reveals that were very similar, and both of them stunk. There's one common thread here. For whatever reason, I guess when Nike's redesigning, they had and they were in love with the idea of gradient uniforms, the idea of blending one color in with another in the actual uniform. For the Falcons, they did it with their home jerseys. They had red tops, black bottoms. Well, in the middle, in the torso you know, torso area, they have gradient going from red into black. Looks very XFL-ish. Does not look good. I despise the Falcons looking what they did. Um, it just it looks so bad. And they put an ATL on their chest, similar to what the Browns did, putting Cleveland across their chest. Again, I love when teams put names or nicknames on their jerseys. I love what Texas does. I think, to me, part of the reason why the Texas uniform is so iconic is because it has Texas across the front of the jerseys. I do like it. It works better in college than it works in the NFL. I do, I do not like it with Atlanta um, doing that, putting ATL on the front of all three of their jerseys, home, road, and, um, and alternate. It just It's not a great look. Again, it looks very XFL, looks very cheap, um, and it just is, is not, great, um, not a great look. And the, the Rams sort of did the same thing. The Rams, yesterday, there's a lot of hype um, surrounding them. They, first of all, they have great and had great uniforms. They didn't really need to change anything. The baby blue and the yellow were great together. The only thing they needed to change was their helmets because they had uh, basically black and white. I I forget the exact color of blue, but it it did not go. It It was a St. Louis Rams helmet. So remember the St. Louis Rams days? They had, you know, they were yellow, navy blue, and white. They had those helmets that didn't really fit. With the with the uh, baby blue and the yellow um, uniforms, so that's all you need to change. Just change the helmet. Just update and really just change the colors. Just update the colors to make it seem like they match. Um, they match the uniform. They did not do. They went all all the way the other way, and they went gradient with their numbers. And if you know what a Pro Bowl uniform looks like, if you want to Google it quickly, the Pro Bowl has also done this in the numbers. They like gradient the uh, the color schemes for whatever reason. That's exactly what to me what it looks like. It looks a lot like the Pro Bowl jerseys now with the Rams. have, They have like a little patch in the corner that says Los Angeles Rams. It's just not a good look. It's absolutely not a good look, and both the Falcons and the Rams had great classic uniforms. The Rams had years and years when they were in Los Angeles of different concepts to choose from, small tinkerings that they could have changed from their, from their normal skin they have now, but the baby blue and the yellow, great, great, great looks. They completely butchered that, completely butchered that, and now it looks just awful. Just absolutely looks awful. They threw that away. And at least for the Falcons, I'll say this. I'll give the Falcons 1% of credit. They had great classic uniforms back in the old days, um, like a clean black jersey, white pants. They put that in as their alternate alternate, like their second alternate. So you may see it once or twice a year. It's a great look. It's a clean look. If that was their uniform for 2020, they would have knocked it out of the park. They had throwback days in the old days when they had red helmets. I think it was also a great look. But they decided to go complete 180, um, have great uniforms, look XFL-ish. They just, both the Falcons and the Rams, complete swing and miss on their jerseys. They, they didn't have to do anything crazy. They could just rely on history, which I think a lot of these, these teams could have done. Just keep it simple. That's all I'm asking. That's all I think most fans are asking for. Don't go crazy. Because guess what we've seen when Nike has the chance to completely redesign uniforms, do it in their own version, do it in their own uh, blueprint. They've swung a mist on really every single one of them. So rarely do kind of new uniforms, new uniform design, maybe outside the Seahawks, I'll say is the one that, at least to me, landed the best. That was just a complete um, different redesign compared to what they had. But the Falcons and the Rams, both had classic uniforms that they could have tapped into. Both just threw it all away. They look awful, and they were going to look awful in the fields coming in 2020. A lot of criticism coming their way, and guess what? They absolutely deserve it. Simple, folks. The answer is always in the past. These throwback uniforms are always a great look. Maybe you can update it modern a little bit, but for the most part, keep it simple. Give the fans what they want. A lot of fans love going back in the old days, having nostalgia of watching the teams in their old uniforms. And the ones that won, the Browns, the Chargers, and the Buccaneers all did that. So congrats to them. And like I said, the Falcons and Rams. If if you haven't seen it, honestly, I don't even suggest looking for it because it's that bad. It's going to stain your eyes so much. It's just a tough watch. So, uh, that's going to do it at least for for the power rankings. Falcons and Rams, man. You blew it, and you blew it big time. It was easy. It was a layup there for you. You had the blueprint already in your own backyard. Just go back in history. Go back 20 years turn the tape on. And for the Rams, just change the helmet. Change the helmet. That's all you got to do. You had great uniforms right there. They didn't do it. And, uh, again, that's why they are just... Phew, Dead last, at least in these rankings. So that's going to do at least for this Thursday edition of the Morning Boys. We do appreciate you tuning in, do appreciate you listening, appreciate Errol Marks for giving us a call and jumping on talking about the uh, future sports. Appreciate Lauren Clark for coming on, participating in 2020 or Apocalypse. She crush it four to five um, on the 2020 Apocalypse. So if you want to be a contestant, first of all, reach out, let me know, and we'll get you on the show and study up. Lauren, Lauren was cramming. She said she was studying up on her uh, on her headlines, on her news, and she gets four to five, so she is the new number to beat. Um, as first and second place uh, do get prizes, so do that. very excited for that on Monday. Um, again, everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Hopefully, everyone a great weekend. Um, stay safe, stay sane. We'll talk to you Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: It is it, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio.